0: Thank you. Let's all stand together, open our Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew 19, verse 26. But Jesus beheld them and said to them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. This morning we will be taking the Lord's Supper, very unusual. Normally we do that on a Sunday night or Wednesday night but I wanted to include our Sunday morning crowd this morning, so we'll be extremely brief. Look what it says, verse 26, very familiar phrase, but with God all things are possible. This week, as I was reading my Bible, uh, once again, I was reminded of two simple words that are often found together, but God. Now, here with God is... With is thrown in. And we understand when it comes to that phrase in the Bible, but God, that means the situation's about ready to change. That little conjunction there means the situation looks bad, it looks bleak, it looks horrible, you might as well give up hope. Situation's done, Satan's won. You know, Christians ought to get depressed, people are going to die. But God. Now, I've, I've seen more... Sad faces in Christianity, more depression, more frustration, more lack of hope, lack of faith over the past year than I've seen over the course of my life. And I think maybe this morning we ought to simply say, but God. Now, you know, I'm not a cheerleader when I preach. Uh, You know, I'm rarely an encourager when I preach. (laughs) You know, I love to go explore. Expository uh, this morning, just so you know, there's nothing expository about this. We're going to bounce around, you're going to use your Bibles. Good. And yes. I want to simply remind you, you ought to walk out these doors this morning, smile on your face, and about the time you're starting to have a bad day, you can say, But yes. but, but God. I'm a Christian. Now, if you weren't a Christian, you facing this world and you're facing everything that's going on in this world, I would suggest a long face, I would suggest depression. I would suggest complaining because there's a lot to complain about. But if you're a born-again child of God, you know there's a good chance, there's a good chance that God can and God will intervene supernaturally. Can you imagine living without the supernatural intervening hand of God Almighty? I can't imagine that. Yeah, I would be taking antidepressants, amen. I would be wearing out my recliner, and uh, people say, "Pastor, you emotional." I'm. I think one time my child, someone dropped a rock on my toe, and I got emotional. It didn't last long, but I got emotional. No, I'm not emotional. But if I were living today without Christ in my life, I would probably be emotional. Go with me. Ephesians 2, I believe is a good starting point. Ephesians chapter 2. Now, church, if you can't say amen in a message like this, you probably never say amen again over the course of my ministry. I'm giving you one Sunday, amen. Ephesians Ephesians 2 verse verse 1. And you hath he quickened who were who were dead. Anybody spending time at the cemetery this morning or over the course of the month or the past year, you you know, just talking to people and encouraging people and you know why you didn't spend any time there? That's hopeless. They were dead. Do you remember your life before God? Without hope. Amen. Dead in trespasses and sins. When in time past you walked according to the course of this world. And I can imagine that. The course of this world, I want nothing to do with that course. I don't want to walk that path. I, I don't want to follow their trail. Hey, anybody notice something besides the traffic in Austin over the past uh, two weeks? Uh, if, if you notice, the the dress and the uh, the homosexuality in the... A flaunting of deviants and absolute hatred for God. They call it ACL. Yeah. That, I, that stands for absolutely cruddy living, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I know. All I know is what I see, and that's all I can define. But among whom also, verse 3, we all had our conversation in times past. Doing what? It's all, now, maybe you weren't living that lifestyle, but it was about the lust of your flesh. Yeah. For some it was money, for, for some it was alcohol, for some it was fornication, uh, for some, whatever it was, we were all simply given over to the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we're, hold on for a minute, we didn't even know it, but we were by nature what? Children of right, con- condemnation. It, 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 we were children of condemnation. We were guaranteed uh, eternity in the lake of fire. Yeah. Hold on for a second. That's all bad news. But thank God for verse 4. What's it say? Together. But God. You, you remember that previous life? Uh, how many remember John the first time he walked through the doors with a big old fro? John, the, the man that spent three or four days out of the week high. Sometimes five or six, and often seven but but God but but God stepped in, and now you 're talking about a godly father with a home that pleases God, no more cursing, no more craziness, no more late night parties with weed. Now, now, if he's at ACL, he has a Bible in his hand and the gospel on his lips, he's traded sides. You know what happened? That life of craziness he was living had no hope. but but, but God stepped in. And I walked through the classes this morning. I'm, I'm shaking hands. There's Moses and Oscar. How remember those two East Side hoods? Hoodlums showed up here. Don't don't talk to them about their past, don't talk to them about their criminal record, just just talk to them about what, what God did. Yes, when when two boys had no interest in the gospel, got invited to church, heard the gospel because someone decided to tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ in a life uh, that was guaranteed to end in devastation and destruction chain because God, yes, God. God Stepped into the equation. Amen, amen. You, you ought to walk around. I love hearing Brother Tyrone's testimony. If you haven't heard it, you, you need to sit down and talk to Brother Jamie and talk to some of these men. And Brother Ernest Cortez. I'm, I remember the night we were at Chili's. Brother Cortez. And you, you share with me your testimony. And uh, you can't help but smile and think, what kind of crazy life does man live without God? And to, to think... Here's a a person totally ignorant of the Bible, salvation, the Holy Spirit, but God shows up, brings conviction. Talk to Serge. He wasn't always a Christian. You you know where this home would be? But for God. You know where Cortez would be today? But for God. God, you know know where John would be today? You know where Tony would be today? That Jeannie would be so deep in religion. I'm not talking about knee deep or waist deep, but neck deep in false religion today. But God. But God stepped in there and brought the light of the glorious gospel. Aren't aren't you glad you were lost? But God found you. you were hopeless, but God rescued you. You were a sinner, but God commended his love toward us while we were yet sinners. But God is a revelation of the grace of God in salvation. Uh, Because, oh oh, man, the pride of man thinking that he has something to offer God. Acts chapter 6, Acts 7. Acts chapter 7, verse 9. The Bible says, The patriarchs moved with envy. They sold Joseph into Egypt. But together, what's it say? But God. But God God was with... Now, this would be a terrible story if God wasn't involved. Here's a young man with a lot of futures, these debts favorite, hated by his brethren. So he sold... Can you imagine a young man sold the total strangers into slavery? How is that going to turn out? Right. Uh, t- tell me the rest of that story. You don't need a book. You don't need to go to chapter 15. You can tell from chapter 1, this does not end well. This is going to be one of sorrow, a life of sorrow and pain and tragedy and heartache. And this boy is going to look back and hate his brothers. And, and everything here is going to be an absolute disaster. But hold on for a second. They were moved with envy. They sold Joseph into Egypt. Now here's the T in two key words that changes everything. Two of the most beautiful words in all the Bible. But, but God was with him. So he's thrown in the pit, but God was with him. And uh, it's only going to get worse. Now he's got to work as a slave, but God was with him. And he ascends uh, the the ladder there in that house, and he's given more and more uh, power and uh, authority over that household. Uh, But the wife has an eye for Joseph, and when he does not pay her heed or attention, she accuses him of... Rape and this man with power and position says, I'm not going to kill you, but I'm going to have you thrown into jail until you rot. That's a bad scene. But God was with him. And so he rises in power in the jail to the place where the jailer says, uh, Joseph, I'm, I'm just going to, tired of my daily duties, I'm going to let you take over and run this place for a little while. He literally. Basically, make him the keeper of that prison. And he has a couple buddies and they seem depressed. And they have dreams. He interprets those dreams. So, when you guys get out of here. Don't forget about me. And they say, we won't. But they do. And he continues to languish on. So, the story keeps looking like it's only going to get worse. but But there's something there. That's greater than any of the evil of the entire situation. And that's God was part of the equation. Go with me. And, And Joseph knew this. Go with me to Genesis chapter 45. You know what kept him from becoming bitter and hateful and hurtful and mean and ugly and depressed? Yeah. He knew God was with him. Here's what he says Genesis 45, verse. Six For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in, in the which there shall neither be earring nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve your posterity in the earth, to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither. What's it say? No. You, you guys sold me. It, hey, listen. You did not send me to Egypt. God brought me to Egypt. You did not send me to the house of Potiphar. God brought me to the house of Potiphar. You didn't send me to prison, Potiphar. God put me here and God placed me in Egypt. Now look what it says. And he hath made me a Hold on for a second. This little boy that languished in prison and served as a a, a slave in the house of Potiphar, he's made me a father. Pharaoh comes to me as if I were his father. Father, the the most important leader in the world at this moment, treats me as if I were his father. And I am the Lord of all of his house. And the ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. You know why? Oh, it was ugly. It was ugly. You think your situation is hopeless? Just, just about the time you think your situation is hopeless, all you got to do is point back to Job or David, Joseph, whoever. And you, know, you know what changed the entire equation? God. But God, look what he says in Genesis 50. He reiterates this to his brethren. Verse 20, when they thought he was going to react in anger and have them killed, now the daddy's dead. Verse 20, but as for you, he thought evil against me, but but God meant it unto good. Christian, oh, well, pastor, you, you don't understand. I've got people uh, that are out to get me. If you're a Christian in 2021, you've got plenty of people out to get you. The very fact that you're a Christian in a secular world. You're, you're a Christian in, a, in an unsaved neighborhood. You're a Christian in the United States of America. Now, if you hide the fact, as long as you look like them and act like them and talk like them and accept what they're doing, it won't be a problem. But as soon as you stand up and act like a Christian and talk like a Christian, walk like a Christian, live like a Christian, and share your faith, now you got a problem. Right? Pastor, they they mean it for evil. Obviously they do. This isn't accidental. I, I hear all the time about the incompetence of, of political leaders. That's not incompetence. They're very com- They know what they're doing. They're manipulated by Satan himself. They mean it. It's not accidental. Their purpose is evil. They mean it for evil. But God. but God is greater. But God can step in, but God knows the solution, but God has the answer. And Christian, you're going to be depressed if you don't get this this morning. Go with me to Exodus chapter 13. Israel leaving Egypt finally free, at least for the moment, verse 17, it came to pass, when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, let's The people repent when they see war, and they return to Egypt. Verse 18, what's it say? But God, he had a greater plan. He was looking way ahead. But God is a revelation of the sovereignty of God in our daily lives. Here's what we're going to see in each one of these cases. This is a sovereign God that's not just looking at the past, but he's looking way ahead in the future. And Christian, isn't it strange that we're okay with God taking care of our past, but we don't want him to take care of our future? Or we trust him with the past, but we don't trust him with the future? And God said, I'm going to lead you, but God, and here they come to the Red Sea, and Pharaoh's army is coming behind them, and it all looks impossible and it is impossible and what are we going to do we're all going to die but god so how do we cross this body of water it is impossible it would be impossible for us if we had a year to plan to cross the water with today's technology and our funding it'd be impossible to get a million people across that body of water but Okay, now that you've opened up the water, now that you've helped us get across, you've raptured us across this body of water. They're coming across as well. But God said, no problem, we'll just close the waters. So you've left us out here in this desert, and there's no food, and there's no water, and we're going to starve to death. But God said, "Uh, not a problem. Uh, I'll feed you for 40 years. I'll provide you water where there is no water. For 40 years, you'll be okay. Amen. Amen. Christians, we've, we've literally bought the lie. And we're living our faces, our reflection of our hearts and minds. And we're living as if God had forgotten us or suddenly was rendered incapable or God was looking at this situation as impossible But God, look what it says, 1 Samuel chapter 23. Say, Pastor, how many scriptures are we gonna look at today? And do you get it? God God given us enough references, amen. So even if you just have to fake it at some point, put it on your face, like I got it, Pastor. (laughs) First Samuel 23, 14, David abode in the wilderness and the strongholds and remained in the mountain in the wilderness of Ziph and Saul sought him. What's it say? This is the king. This is the greatest warrior in the land. This is the man that controls the army, the FBI, the CIA, the local police, the state troopers. He has at his beck and call Everyone in this country, and they'd be given a green light to kill David, uh, and he's doing what? Seeking there's only only so many places in Israel where you can hide. Anybody ever looked at the size of Israel, the topography of, of Israel? There, there are only so many caves. There are only so many mountains. There are only so many places. Whether or not you have cars or GPS machines or modern technology did not matter. He's being hunted as a rabbit, but but God delivered him not. Because God said, David, your life and your future doesn't hinge upon Saul or upon this manhunt. David, your life is in my hands. Your times are in my hands. And if you get delivered up, it'll be me. Won't be anyone else. I'm the one that controls your fate. I'm the one that determines the day you leave this planet. Uh, I'm the one that determines whether or not you get found. And I've promised you the throne, and you'll get there in my timing. And meanwhile, but God delivered him not. You know, you have Christians looking at the, Uh, the world system. I was talking to someone last week, and they said, Pastor, do you know what the digital dollar means? I said, Brother, do you know what the Fed means? (laughs) Stalin said socialism hangs upon a centralized bank. I guarantee you, when they established a centralized bank, there were Christians everywhere that said, it's over. We're done. But... Do you know the government's going to control everything we do? Do you know there's a God that's going to control everything they do? (laughs) We are so focused on all the monsters around us and all the bad news that we've forgotten there's actually still a God in heaven, much greater, that says all of this must come to pass, all of this must be fulfilled And there's David Hyde. Now, I would suggest David run. I suggest David Hyde. And I suggest David take precautions. But at the end of the day, it's God. Go with me to Psalms 73. So, but God is revelation of God's sovereignty in our daily lives. Let's see number three, God's... But God is a revelation of God's Greatness. Despite our weakness, go with me to psalm seventy three, looking at David. you know, I was talking to Jake this week, Jake and Michaela, and while we're talking, have you ever been there you're in the middle of a conversation, but your mind is slipping in different directions. Anybody ever been there i I'm the only one been, yeah. trying to keep your mind back in but I'm I'm looking at Jake in my mind as he's talking, he's going back uh, to Canada and a, a revival that we held for Brother Penner. And I, I remember the night Jake got saved, and I remember the next day going over to, to witness to Jake's father. And I'm I'm looking at this circumstance. Jake was Mennonite and his his dad was just a man with addictions. No, no interest in God. And I remember looking at that 18-year-old kid. And and he said, I'm going to go to Bible college. And I'm thinking in my mind, you're just barely saved. Let's just read the Bible first. (laughs) And he went to Bible college. Then he got plugged in, surrendered. And to look at, you know, we had no clue what what God was going to do in all of that. If if you'd see... If if you could only see what God brought Jake out of, Amen. brother, that tragically died in in a home life and in a in a community that is so religious and, and knows nothing. Literally, if anyone even tries to reach out to God for salvation, you have an entire community that's pushing back and and just feeding them more religion and telling them you you cannot. You cannot abandon the truth of the lie that we're preaching. Right, right, right. But God, yeah. but God stepped into that little town that produces ketchup for the United States and, and yanked him out of a tomato patch. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Brought him all the way to Texas to a cornfield. Yeah. Psalms twenty-three verse. 73, verse 26. My flesh, David says, and my heart faileth. Have you ever been there? Yes, Anybody had a moment where the flesh just fell? I'm tired. And I'm sick. And I'm sick and tired. And I'm actually sick of being sick and tired. I guess I'm the only one that's ever been there. <laughs> David said, my flesh has failed. My heart faileth. But... But God is the strength of my heart. Aren't you glad? I, I do. I, I honestly, I pity people every single day. Occasionally, uh, during the course of the week, I'll, I'll turn on the talk radio for a minute or two. I can't, I can't take more than a few minutes at a time. But I, I feel for Glenn Beck. He's looking at the world falling apart. But when you're a Mormon, you don't, you don't understand the rapture. Yeah, you don't understand the millennial kingdom. You don't, you don't understand God's going to right the wrongs and solve the problems. And it's not going to be in the sixth heaven or the seventh heaven or the fifth heaven. It's not by wearing holy shorts or any, any you know, the rest of whatever the Mormon church happens to teach. Because I feel for him because he's, bless his heart, he's losing his mind. But if you didn't have God in the equation, you would be losing your mind. David said, my, "My flesh was failing. My heart. He, he said, my my blood pressure was about two twenty over one eighty. My my pulse was pushing two hundred. And and doctors weren't giving me the right medication. But he said, but God. but God was my strength." Christian, here's what your children need to see. Here's what your unsaved world just need to see. Here's what your boss needs to see. A Christian in there who's at time flesh and heart fail, but God Amen. provides strength beyond any strength they have. Go with me to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Praying for Randy and her mother this week is in the hospital. I was praying for Randy, thinking back when that girl showed up here, all gothic. I, I remember. We don't have very many people who show up to church gothic. Black nails, all, all that black stuff, and, and bless their heart. That's, that's just a soul yearning for answers. That's all that is. That's a heart crying out for something better than what's being offered in this life. That's all that is. And she she said, I remember turning those black nails into purple ones. Preacher, what do you think about that? Purple's a whole lot better than... <laughs> Philippians chapter 2, verse 27. For indeed, he was... Go, go back with me to verse 25 just so you know. Let me reintroduce you... Uh, Paul is in prison, but he's talking about two great fellow helpers, and that's Timothy and Epaphroditus. But he says, verse 25, yet I suppose it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother. Now, look, these are accolades given by Paul, my companion. Wouldn't you like to be called the brother companion in labor, fellow soldier, and messenger of Paul? This, these are some pretty high accolades. Uh, He ministered to my wants. Verse 26, he longed after y'all. He was full of heaviness because he heard that he had been sick. Verse 27, for indeed he was sick nigh unto death. But what's the Bible say? But God. But God God had mercy. You know what but God is? It's a revelation of God's greatness despite our own weakness. Christian, about the time you say, I'm physically weak, I'm spiritually weak, I'm emotionally weak, but God. it's not your strength anyways. Mm-hmm. Samson's strength was not his strength, Moses' right. strength was not his strength, yeah. David's strength was not his strength. That's right. This is all about the greatness, greatness yeah. of God. Yes. Uh, Pastor, I, I don't know if I'm competent to teach this class, you're not, yeah. but God. I, I don't know if I'm I'm capable of giving this discipleship lesson you're not. I, I don't know if I'm truly the uh, man to preach this message and, and see if God does you're you're not. You're not. But but God. But God can do something in you and through you. And he said Paul said, "Here I am." Thinking I'm going to lose one of my best fellow helpers and back then if you were sick, you didn't want to go to whatever hospital if there were a hospital, that's probably not the place you wanted to go. No. Right. This is before anesthesia. Sur, you know, back surgery was done with a dull knife. Mm. You bite on a <laughs> stick and pray for death. There were no no transplants, no no painkiller outside of bourbon. Uh, it just wasn't a good time to be sick. And he said we we basically wrote him off for dead. But, God. you know what happens every time I see uh, Brother Wood, here's what I think. But, God. Uh, the doctors have told him twice, you have cancer. But, God. Brother Thompson, the big old tumor, shows up in his neck. And he hears the words, that's stage four. But, oh God. But God. Tony, how many times have you heard bad news? Too many to count. But God. God. and none of these men should be with us today. Yeah. Miss Besa, those that have heard such horrible news, you sit in the doctor's office, and not only do they tell you the bad news, and then they've got to tell you about all the bad things that are going to happen from the bad news. Yeah. And we might provide you a solution, but the the... Possible surgery and the medication provide you as much bad news as the previous bad news. But can you imagine going into the doctor's office hearing that kind of news and God is not part of your life? Holy Spirit is not your comforter, Jesus Christ is not your Savior. Paul said, I thought we lost this boy. I thought the church and, and I were going to be left devastated by the absence of a great help. But God had mercy on him. Now go to me to 1 Corinthians 3. Let's look at one more. But God, it's a revelation of grace in salvation. It's a revelation of God's sovereignty in our daily lives. It's a revelation of God's greatness. Despite our weakness, look what Paul says, first. Six, chapter three, verse six. I have planted, Apollos watered. Let's say it together. But God, but God gave, the gave the increase. Now, Christians, we we we'll probably stop right here this morning, going to communion. Would Would you take a minute this morning consider the duty of the church during COVID, pre COVID, post COVID has never changed. It's about declaring the gospel to a lost world that doesn't want to hear the gospel. It's not about whether or not you're commissioned. It's the fact that you are commanded individually as a Christian to declare the gospel. It turns my stomach when I hear the percentages and the numbers and people talking about... uh, I heard one this week where a pastor that travels a lot said he thinks 96% of Christians today... Never witness. Ninety-six. I don't know if that's average, if that's typical, if that's normal. I want to think that it's not. I know it's not the case at Capital City Baptist Church. I'm not out here to tell you the law of averages. I'm out here to remind you of the Great Commission this morning. We're supposed to be planning. We're supposed to be watering and you can say, here's, I believe there's two reasons why we're not winning souls. Number one, because the majority of people don't believe they can. They're convinced they can't. So, Pastor, I've never won a soul. I, I can't win a soul. I don't know. But God, but God can. I, I can't move in their heart. No, you can't. But God, but God can. Here's what Paul said. It wasn't me or Apollos. Now, if you looked at any any two people in the New Testament that you would want on your soul winning team, it would be Paul. The Bible calls Apollos eloquent and Paul persistent in the spirit field. Those are two men, team captains right here. And here's what Paul said. Don't give either one of us credit. It's not me and it's not Apollos. It's God that giveth the increase. I remember years ago, I was on with Matthew Boyd, he could not have been older than, I don't know, nine or ten years old, and I was out knocking on the door, and we were at a door, I was witnessing this man, it took me about 30, 35 minutes, I was going through the gospel, uh, trying to uh, to convince him of the gospel, and I was so involved in the conversation that i lost track of Matthew. And I, I was able to go through the gospel, but I didn't get much further than that, he He obviously didn't want to trust Christ as his Savior. So we finished the conversation, and I turn around, Matthew's gone, I begin to look around, and there's Matthew over there sitting down at table with a young man. And I wander over to see how the conversation's going, and he's just finishing up the gospel, and I hear this young man say, I would like to trust Christ as my Savior. I would like to be saved. And uh, those two get on their knees, and it's, You have a pastor that can't draw the net, and get that man to inch his way towards the gospel. But you have a ten-year-old over there with another young man under serious Holy Spirit conviction that is putting his faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Christian, let me ask you this morning. You know why so many are not a witness? Because they don't believe those two words. But. I'm not eloquent. But. And, Pastor, I don't, I don't think I can be used as a soul owner. But. But God giveth. The increase. This isn't about you. This isn't about your presentation. This isn't about your dynamic personality. This isn't about how much scripture you know. Yep. Yeah, right. Guess who the only one is that can bring someone from a lost state of mind to a moment of conviction? What is salvation? Understanding conviction. Yeah. If there's no conviction, there's no salvation. Yeah, that's right. You cannot produce conviction. You can read every verse on hell in that book, but it's God that has to produce conviction. It's God that has to produce repentance. And it's God that has to lead a man to confess and put his faith and trust in Christ. Christian, here's what we need to do this morning. God, help us to leave in courage and stop allowing Satan to, 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 to lead us to live a life right now Frustration, depression, angst, anxiety, continual sleeplessness. In church, let me just say this and we're done. If you're living this moment, a life of frustration, it's because you have the wrong purpose. Because if your purpose is right, nothing's changed. The world's changed, but nothing else changed. If your purpose is to please God and win souls, you can still please God and win souls no matter what the world is doing, no matter what is happening in the world. God gives us a mindset that says, I've been given the great commission. I've been given an incredible command. And I'm not eloquent. I'm not a people person. Have you ever been around someone that's just a good people person? They're natural at conversations. Anybody ever been there with that person? And you're thinking, I wish I had that ability. And I don't. And I make a fool out of myself trying to be that person. Amen. But, God yes. can work my yes. but God can work beyond my personality. But God can work beyond my incapabilities. Amen. What I lack, he does not. Amen. May God help us this morning. Leave her with a smile on her face and say, Oh, things look bleak. But God.